Mark. I'm not speaking in code. Erica. You're obsessed with finals clubs. You have finals clubs OCD and you need to see someone about it who will prescribe you some sort of medication. You don't care if the side effects may include blindness. Final clubs, not finals clubs. And there's a difference between being obsessed and being motivated. Yes, there is. Well, you do. That was cryptic, so you do speak in code. I didn't mean to be cryptic. I'm just saying I need to do something substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs. Why? Because they're exclusive and fun, and they lead to a better life. Teddy Roosevelt didn't get elected president because he was a member of the Phoenix Club. He was a member of the Porcellian, and yes, he did. Well, why don't you just concentrate on being the best you you can be? Did you really just say that? I was kidding. Although, just because something's trite doesn't make it any less I want to try true. to be straightforward with you and tell you that I think you might want to be a little more supportive. If I get in, I will be taking you to the events and the gatherings, and you'll be meeting a lot of people you wouldn't normally get to meet. You would do that for me? Dating. Okay. Well, I want to try and be straightforward with you and let you know that we're not anymore. What do you mean? We're not dating anymore, I'm sorry. Is this a joke? No, it's not. You're breaking up with you me? You are going to introduce me to people I wouldn't normally have the chance to meet. What the f- What is that supposed to mean? Wait, settle down. What is it supposed to mean? Erica, the reason we're able to sit here and drink right now is because he used to sleep with the door guy. The door guy, his name is Bobby. I have not slept with the door guy. The door guy is a friend of mine, and he's a perfectly good class of people. And what part of Long Island are you from? Wimbledon? Wait. I'm going back to wait, my door. Wait, wait. Is this real? Yes. Okay, then wait. I apologize, okay? I have to go study. Erica? Yes. I'm sorry, I mean it. I appreciate that, but I have to go study. Come on, you don't have to study. You don't have to study. Let's just talk. I can't. Why? Because it is exhausting. Dating you is like dating a stairmaster. All I meant is that you're not likely to... Currently. I wasn't making a comment on your parents. I was just saying that you go to BU. I was stating a fact. That's all. And if it seemed rude, then of course I apologize. I have to go study. You don't have to study. Why do you keep saying I don't have to study? Because you go to BU. <laughs> Want to get some food? I am sorry you are not sufficiently impressed with my education. And I'm sorry I don't have a robot, so we're even. I think we should just be friends. I don't want friends. I was just being polite. I have no intention of being friends with I'm you. I'm under some pressure right now from my OS class, and if we could just order some food, I think we should be... You are probably going to be a very successful computer person. But you're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. The city has stepped in with an ultimatum. Yeah. Die or be killed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever, a show that many are calling a meditative poem about the enormity of time. In podcast form, I'm Zach. <laughs> and I'm Matt. And this is episode number 62, The Social Network. A couple of pretty cool dudes talking about a social network. A couple of a couple of pretty cool dudes with no social lives talking yeah. about the social network. Um, 
Yeah, it's very much a movie about the rise of nerds. Uh, something that we've attempted to do to great failure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess there's like a difference between just like nerds who are obsessed with nerdy, horrible things and nerds who are just really smart. Nerds who actually have the ability to accomplish something. So, I mean, I think this would be like a good opportunity to just jump right into the film. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to talk about. October 2003, what were you up to? Nothing good. Uh, You were still in high school? Yeah. October 2003, I had taken the semester of my sophomore year in college off (laughs) and was probably laying around playing Madden and masturbating. Yeah, (laughs) I understand. Sometimes you just need a break. (laughs) While Mark Zuckerberg was getting started on what would become, you know, possibly the biggest, most important internet thing yeah ever possibly so you were right than porn i mean pretty close to the kind of target demo of the early years of facebook because you were in college when it launched right yes uh i can't remember exactly when how long did it take to come to pit i don't know or ccac <laughs> <laughs> no I, I didn't join facebook probably until either 2006 or 2007 yeah but it certainly wasn't available at my college when I started going. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably Bell would probably have a better answer as to when it first came to Pitt. He was probably yeah. an early adapter, adopter of it. It never really, I, to this day, I've never really been all that interested in it. Uh, I always was like, I did have like a MySpace page, but then I was just kind of like, well, this is pointless. <laughs> and then eventually. Know, uh, show off to people by listing all your favorite movies. <laughs> well, believe me, the amount of hours spent working <laughs> on those things. <laughs> so, this film, there's there's kind of a lot to say about this film. First, uh, I guess, in a chronological sense, the opening scene of the film is Jesse Eisenberg, who's playing Mark Zuckerberg, and... Uh, Rooney Mara playing a character who essentially was invented, I guess, for the purpose of this narrative. Yeah. Maybe kind of a conglomeration of all of the girls that had rejected Mark at some point or another. Although he was actually dating her, which is always kind of yeah an interesting point. Like, we come in and they've been dating for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think, I guess like something that we're probably going to have to uh, deal with and address you know, throughout the discussion of this film is kind of this idea of the reality of the actual events, right? which are always somewhat unknown, except to the very people who lived them, yeah. because, you know, stories get exaggerated and distorted and changed. Not to mention there's all sorts of uh, non-disclosure agreements over the truth of this story. And how that reality interacts with, disagrees with, you know, collides with the Somewhat sensationalized version of those events that are portrayed in this film. And I think, regardless of what Mark Zuckerberg's uh, dating and romantic life may have been for the first 19 years of his life, uh, probably got a lot better. Want to. I, I, I think it was important to not go into that, like, very trite idea of, like, a, you know, a 19 year old virgin who had never even, like, talked to a girl. Right. Like, right. they weren't, yeah. like, interested in making this a Revenge of the Nerds uh, parody. You know what no, I mean? Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like... It, obviously, I, I don't think it's unfair to 
kind of use that idea as like a jumping off point for you know critic you know doing a critical analysis of the film there is kind of this revenge element to the whole thing but it wasn't as simple as like this right. guy could never get any girl ever or anything like that and hated women or something even though there is you know a little bit of a misogynistic tone to his first uh ende- endeavor that like leads oh, yeah. down the path of creating facebook when he wants to compare the girls to right. farm animals <laughs> i mean <laughs> Which, the whole i mean in all fairness is kind of funny i mean but <laughs> one of the things that's going on too the whole like overshadowing part is this attitude of like i'm better than you which comes right across in his conversation with rooney mara in the opening scene and it is kind of part of the thing that you have to accept through the whole movie is you're just viewing what these people's lives are like and how much better they are than us down on the bottom here i mean even their college life right in the beginning the parties that they're going to it's like they have like sponsored (laughs) alcohol I mean, are you talking about the Caribbean night? No, no. The, like in the opening of the movie, they show they're just it, none of the characters are there, but they're just showing like what a frat party is like. Oh, those are the um, what were they called? The uh, uh, the clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think was kind of well. The whole thing I think is um, the whole showing of those things. I think is to kind of illustrate right. this idea that this is what mark is wanting and imagining he's on the climb yeah because yeah as you point out caribbean night is more what we'd be used to going to well yeah and that's what he's used to going right because like his whole like a lot of his motivation comes from this chip on his shoulder that other people are athletically gifted and can row crew other people may be asked to join one of these uh exclusive clubs that he would like to get into right. and he has yet to accomplish this and i i, I you know a big part of why he would want to get into these clubs is because of his, you know, uh, difficulty with women to this point in his life. And he thinks that, yeah, boo hoo dating Rooney Mara. (laughs) This is not good enough for me. (laughs) Well, I would definitely say that there's kind of this, uh, a recurring theme in this, uh, film of, you know, very beautiful women, uh, with not, quite so physically pleasing men yeah when mark like first creates the uh what is it face mash or whatever right yeah and it crashes the whole thing and they have to call that guy yes the like like, head of harvard's like internet security he gets out of bed and he is like a guy who looks to be about 60 he's like kind of chubby bald glasses kind of nebbish like a nerdy kind of character stop talking about me and if you pay attention in the background the woman that he's in bed with his wife is like this gorgeous older woman kind of stretching out and seemingly like right out of like a i don't know some sort of spanish soap operas which i mean she just (laughs) looks like this kind of like almost uh the chick from modern family what's her name I you don't know. know. Sophia Vergara? Yeah, like almost like that, except maybe not that quite that exotic. But like, <laughs> it's just like, who is the, this woman in the background? I mean, she doesn't even really, she, I think she just says, what do, they, what do they want or whatever? And he gives some answer and she, you can barely see her, but it's just like. She's he, been disturbed from her, you know, <laughs> difficult life. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of does kind of bring in this, into the film some interesting ideas of like, well, 
how do people form relationships, uh, right. romantic relationships? Is it is it solely based upon looks, or is Marx theorizing at the beginning of the film in his usual inappropriate way? Right. Is he actually kind of correct in the sense that? Oh, like, I definitely think it's it's reinforced. In he society. can punch above his weight class if he's if he can just do something to make himself stand out. Right. But the whole point is like, is like hurting these people that you have to climb over to get there. Is it really worth it? Yeah, I mean, he seems. There are a lot of things throughout the film. I think the character of Mark Zuckerberg in the film is kind of this layered, very intricately crafted character, you know, between Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin, who wrote the screenplay, David Fincher, who directed the film, and Jesse Eisenberg, who's playing the role. They kind of are able to convey a lot of things. And I think, if you remember back when the film came out, there was a little bit of backlash, uh, especially right as the film was coming out. Because people were very like adamant that it was inaccurate, that it was portraying things in a different way than they actually happened, and all these different things. Well, and, welcome and, to the movies. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I was like, well, what movie about an actual thing has not changed things? Right. Have but, you ever seen something Pete Berg directed? <laughs> but, <laughs> but like. And I think a lot of it was like, oh, this is like, you know, they're making Sean Parker look like a jackass and Mark Zuckerberg seem like this uh, conceited asshole who's betrayed everybody because it's kind of like this um, old media attack on new media because obviously like right. the, the, the technology put forward by Sean Parker with Napster has led to like the collapse of the music These industry. dinosaurs just can't get with the time. Right. And so before we even saw the film for the first time back in 2010, I was almost expecting like this kind of character assassination. Oh, yeah. And while it is true that Sean Parker, played by Justin Timberlake, is definitely like the true he villain gets it the worst, yeah. of the film, I think if you pay attention to the subtlety and the nuance of the character and different things, and especially the end of the film when Mark Zuckerberg is talking to like a young lawyer that is on his like team played by Rashida Jones, I think there's actually a lot of sympathy, sympathy for the character and it's making you kind of understand his perspective and why he does the things he does and acts the way he acts. And you're never really, just right. like any great mystery, you're never even really sure if the, some of the things he's accused well, of think, um, are yeah, true or not. Yeah, Sean Parker is definitely portrayed as more of like the pure sociopath, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg is more portrayed as like he's aware of what's going on and he just kind of gets caught up in this chase. But I think he certainly has like an emotional reaction to what all has happened as a result of this. Yeah, I think the reason he idolizes Sean Parker is Sean Parker is basically the like the to compare it to another Fincher film. He's the Tyler Durden. Oh yeah. To Mark Zuckerberg's, you know, lowly Edward Norton character, just right. a regular kind of guy because essentially, you know, they're both like computer programmers. They both created these things and 
Sean Parker was kind of this larger than life, like fucking hot chicks, doing drugs, flaming out of companies, giving everyone the finger, saying fuck yep. you to everyone. And he basically tells Mark that he was like a huge nerd in high school. and <laughs> Yeah, and I think Mark thinks like to himself that this is what he wants to be because of his anger and his feelings of... Yeah, Sean uh, Parker like acts like a rock star, and Mark thinks he could be that. Yeah, yeah, and definitely even further than that, it's just the way that he is fighting back against the things that Mark perceives as like, you know, whether it's... Sean's stories of like oh the big money people are going to come in and take this away from you because you're the kid and it's like now you're the CEO and all this stuff you're the CEO bitch and all that stuff you know like Sean Parker's kind of portrayed as like this master manipulator who's able to like mold Mark to kind of be what he needs him to be so that you know he can Sean Parker can essentially snake his way into something Facebook which he didn't really really do very much to create and then somehow is like a part of it and make a lot of money off of it. Ultimately, like not a lot of people are portrayed very well in the film. I think the only like true like heroic figure like, is maybe a stretch, but the true like good figure maybe is Eduardo yeah, Sabrin. He's more treated like a victim than a hero. Yeah, because you don't even ever really feel sorry for like the Winklevoss twins and the, you, their well, buddy. Yeah. Even Eduardo, it's like, oh, you just happen to have eighteen thousand dollars lying around to give to them to live for the summer <laughs> well i think it's more of like it's not about like we feel sorry for his future because i think right. what everyone understands that all of these people are very capable of forging any kind of future they want yep. from that moment on but it's more like his friend betrayed him over what could be viewed as like some very petty bullshit yeah um for something that possibly turned out to be the biggest business of our generation and the film kind of it works in kind of like this uh back and forth style of jumping between like two depositions uh where mark zuckerberg is being sued uh almost like simultaneously in the present right and then we're jumping back to the past to kind of unfold the story as it goes Um, but i want to jump back to the opening scene because this was like an opening. This is one of the more memorable opening oh, scenes. It's definitely a grabber, probably ever, because it's so unexpected. Like you, you, you're kind of like, all right, well, there's this movie about Facebook and the creation oh. of it, and it's getting all these good reviews, so but weird. I don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden, it opens in this insane conversation between Rooney Lightning Mara quick and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, it really kind of put Rooney Mara on the map because I think by this point, people probably were fairly confident in Jesse Eisenberg as an actor. They were like, all right, well, he could deliver these Aaron Sorkin-esque extended soliloquies dotted with back and forth, like, like rapid play fire. humor worked into it. Yeah. Double but meanings. But, like, Rooney Mara was still, you know, obviously relatively unknown. I think she had probably done the Nightmare on yes. Elm Street remake by this point. But, I mean, she hadn't done anything that you could really consider legitimate yet. And right. <laughs> and I was just and I had seen the Nightmare on Elm Street remake in theaters and I still was like who is this girl? Oh, absolutely. I was like, I've I had never no even I don't know who yeah. this is. Like I'm kind of like blown away by I this guess it scene. Speaks to the uh how memorable 
Nightmare on Elm Street remake was. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I mostly remember them just talking about a preschool a lot. Yeah, they really kind of play up the Freddy Krueger is like a child molester more than the original. Like the original, it's only kind of like you kind of have to guess that. Yeah. Whereas in this one, they're like, ooh, there's pictures of it. It's just like, <laughs> it's really it. kind of unnecessarily creepy. And I think, you know, forever Rooney Mara became put into a locket in my heart <laughs> in the scene of her when she's discovering that Mark has blogged about her and made fun of her breast size and made fun of her last name and said she was a bitch. And she starts yeah. reading it and then some boys on her in her dorm are holding up a bra and making Which, fun of her. Can you imagine that happening? <laughs> in 2003, yes. Uh, I mean, I just... Uh, <laughs> pretty brazen move, Although, the thing dudes. that I can't imagine happening is some fucking jerk-off from Harvard is writing a blog and all of these people are reading it oh, almost simultaneously. It's like... And the... They would be making fun of the girl. Like, they read it and then they're like, oh my god, this is embarrassing for her. It's embarrassing for him. Well, yeah, I mean, I think in her eyes it would probably be embarrassing for both of them. Oh but, my gosh. But yeah, I mean, Dude, come on. it is kind of a leap to think that not only is uh, Erica Albright, who is Rooney Mars' character, her roommate not is not only like reading this blog. She's laughing. But also that people on their floor... Who may don't know, even go to the same school? Yeah, it, it seemed very much a stretch to think that this information would be traveling this, that quickly. This would reach anyone outside of the th- two or three dudes that hang out in Mark's dorm room. Yeah, it was kind of weird. But the face that she makes with like those tears like glistening on her eyes, and she's just kind of like this very uh, here we go potent mixture of like hurt and anger. It was just like I just I remember like. I had kind of almost like a physical reaction to that in yeah, the theater. Yeah, one of the great performances of our lifetime, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that three seconds. Yeah. Because beyond that scene where she really doesn't say anything, she just gets up from the bed, reads over her room, roommate's shoulder, shoulder, and then turns and looks at these boys making fun of her. She doesn't actually say anything. right? And then she's only in one other scene the rest of the film when... He runs into her at the at the restaurant later yep. once Facebook is like up Which and running. It's just a humiliating scene that is. It's humiliating for him, but it's like it also has that kind of it plays into that idea of what uh of what's kind of brought across in the first meeting with Sean Parker when yeah. and it's Eduardo very- is like, No, the record company's won and he's like, Well no, they won in court. Right. You, what he's like, Do you want to go to a Tower Records right now or something like yeah, that? You is it buy or, one? Yeah. yeah. Would you want to buy one or whatever? So it's like, yeah, in that, it was like in that scene with Eric Albright when he runs into her again and she's kind of humiliating him a little bit by bringing up exactly what he said. And also that he joke, you know, he joked about comparing women to farm animals that she's the record company in oh, that scenario. Right. And she's winning in court because he's, she's making him look bad in that moment. But, she mistakenly tries to take an extra shot at him and says, good luck with your video game thing. Right, yeah, that's true. And not only is, by the end of the film, Facebook worth $25 billion, she has her own Facebook page, which he is (laughs) then requesting to be friends of. Right, I know, but (laughs) it's not even what she says to him, though, that's like the hard part for me. It's walking up to this group of people at a table and someone else has to say, Erica, is this guy bothering you or whatever? <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Yeah, there's nothing worse. Yeah. Um, it's like, shut up, dude. <laughs> Mind your own business. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, because I think it's Mark is never seemingly motivated by money. In fact, we're not really given for really for him being like a very central character. We know that he's smart enough to get into Harvard. Right. We can maybe assume that since he seems so gifted that maybe he's on some sort of scholarship, but we don't know. We literally yeah. know nothing about his family. We don't, we don't know how much background. money he has to this point. It's played as if he's like he comes from not nothing, but definitely wasn't He's more know, of an underdog and that's definitely Yeah, he's definitely got like the chip on his shoulder. Right. Because he you know, he needs to ask for money from Eduardo to get this company up and running. Yes. And then later on during one of the depositions the lawyer for the Winklevoss twins is like, well, why you you knew that they were from money? Why wouldn't you have asked them to kind of prove that like he was already yes breaking away from this deal that he made with these guys? Um, so basically, he creates FaceMash dot com, which is just like a version of a website that kind of already existed and was big in the early two thousands, hot or not. Except now it's two girls. And you're voting. You're just picking one or the other, right? Rather than assigning like a number. And people number. can't get enough of it, <laughs> which is understandable. Yeah. Things, things really. It, it, they kind of talk, they do talk about this and why they think that Facebook will be successful when they're kind of playing this out was because there was a certain amount of excitement about it being people that they knew. Yeah, people wanted to see people that they knew in the situation. Now it wasn't like they were seeing people that they knew naked on the internet or you know having sex on the internet. But certainly some sort of compromising situation. But yeah, there was like a, a there was definitely this seed of like I'm picking one or the other and this is embarrassing in some way for these people and there was kind of this little bit of glee to it. But that the embarrassment and the glee and the humiliation of the girls faces and whatnot that were involved was not what Mark and Eduardo and the other people yeah, took to be important, which was smart. It was more just the idea that like people are going to be attracted to seeing the people that they know online. Now, I think the film does like a pretty good job of addressing the idea that MySpace and Friendster and things like that already existed. Yes, and what they saw as the big thing that would separate themselves from Facebook, which was an exclusivity, which now doesn't exist with Facebook at all. Yeah, but they used that to kind of get ahead and then just monopolize the market basically. yeah i mean and, and, and well and there's a little bit of subtext later when eduardo is wanting to sell advertising and True. mark was so against it and then he kind of gets sean on his side which is that myspace was fine when it first started and then it kept getting worse and worse right. there would be so much crap everywhere yeah that like you would go on somebody's page and like a, seven videos would start playing oh, and yeah. like it just was and this even mess. Just like you'd get on and be like, oh, seven new friend requests and it's like Vixen X, X, X. <laughs> or it would be like some shitty fucking local band from like oh, uh, yeah. Sandusky, Ohio or something. <laughs> and you'd be like, what, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> or Sandusky himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was getting a lot of friend requests from Jerry Sandusky. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and so... They, I guess, did enough to distinguish themselves from MySpace and my and MySpace and things like that were kind of not as sleek, not as well designed. I mean, that was also kind of where the the genius of Zuckerberg and the people that he brought in to write the code and to create these sites was like they were making them better, faster, sleeker, better design, and just like, look better. Yeah, I do remember someone saying that to me 
a long time ago in the early days, like they made the comparison that uh, MySpace was kind of like Microsoft and Facebook was like Apple, like because Apple is kind of known for like never getting viruses and just being like the cool people's product, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a fair uh, comparison to make. Um, Yeah, and the original idea that I think the one thing that the uh, Winklevoss twins and their friend, what was his name, like Divya Narendra? I have no idea. I don't know his name. Is that the actor or the character? That's the character. The actor's like Max Mangella. But um, the... They don't actually say his name in the whole movie, I don't think. I think the lawyer does, but it's kind of hard to pick up on. But like, the one thing that Mark seemingly actually stole from them was this idea of exclusivity. Having to have a Harvard email. Yeah. And then eventually he realized that like, if they could spread that virus of like, well, you have to have a Yale or Columbia or Stanford. And right. then eventually it was like other colleges. And it was because I, I do remember when even when it started at Pitt, it was still you had to have a college email. Yeah. It and it was like a very that. exclusive idea. I do think even when it went a little bit beyond some of the colleges, it, it, it wasn't everywhere immediately. I remember someone not even in college telling me that they had it, but I couldn't get it on it still. <laughs> Well, they probably didn't accept uh, certain emails. Yeah, you probably had to like create like a different it, yeah. email or something. And that, because ultimately you could be like, all right, well, he agreed to work on this project with the Winklevoss twins and Divya, but like, I think it's pretty apparent that they didn't really have much. Right. That he came in and basically he was able to not use any of their stuff or their code or anything, and he created like basically a parallel idea to theirs. Right. And. Um, but yeah, but the big argument is the whole strategy and possibly what launched the business was their idea, even if they didn't have that planned for it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not saying... Right. But I'm saying that's like the one thing that gave them, you know, a reasonable expectation to win in court. Definitely. But it, but ultimately, like Mark's betrayal of Eduardo Sabrin, played by Andrew Garfield, who... I kind of have a hard time believing that He's he was like a loser, yeah. <laughs> it, even at Harvard. Like, I get that, like, these um, exclusive clubs, they have, like, a name, don't they? Uh, he, the one he's trying to get into is the Phoenix. I don't know if... Final Clubs. Oh, Final Clubs, yeah. yeah. I was like, because there's that whole thing where Rooney Mara keeps finals. calling Finals yeah. Clubs. <laughs> um, Boo. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, yeah, obviously, like, they're not in these final clubs yet, and there are probably more successful people. And it's hard to stand out at a place like Harvard where, you know, even in the one deposition when Divya is listing all of the things that are at that school. Oh, yeah. And yet Mark was the biggest deal after Facebook, you know, included, like, a movie star who I'm fairly certain may have been natalie portman at that time yeah does the time period make sense kind of i think so but it was somebody like that probably i mean lots of famous people i think like emma watson even went there at one point Uh, just that would have been way later to like brown or something i don't know but like yeah like uh i think jodie foster in like the 80s probably went there or was that yale i don't know but like obviously they pop up at places like this and and i think like yeah on one hand i can see that like 
uh, Andrew Garfield is playing like this kind of guy who's friends with Mark Zuckerberg and blah blah blah. But he's like this good-looking guy who made three hundred thousand dollars over one summer right. doing some stupid thing. It's just like he would certainly hard be the time. coolest dude I knew. I mean, yeah, he gets this like smoking hot Asian girlfriend once Facebook starts. I'm pretty sure he could have landed that girl before Facebook started. If it's Andrew Garfield, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm just like, well, I don't really understand. Could they have not found anybody like? Jesse Eisenberg is like a believable nerd. You're like, yeah, right. I could see if this guy's attitude is the way it is that like people are going to be a he little put dresses off. a little schlubby, just like wears hoodies and stuff. Eduardo is wearing like suits and yeah, with like pretty nice coats and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, he seems like a pretty cool, well put together guy who's got money and is obviously smart because he's in Harvard. So I mean, right. like, it, it's a little we kind of play that game a lot. With a lot of these movies we watch, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's usually like smoking hot girls are that are like the you guys losers. Just make the same point, but that's what's so unbelievable about the movies. <laughs> this is a rare instance where it's one of the dudes that we're like, this guy's would definitely not be a loser. No. <laughs> usually, we're watching like the Carrie remake with Chloe Grace Moretz, and we're like, in what high school is this not the most popular girl you've yeah. ever seen? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but anyway, I think. Uh, one of the things that like I've I took away from you know recently rewatching the film was the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross um, score. Oh yeah, that, that that main theme. I think that stuck with me for like months after the movie. And it's like, okay, so you have this very um, tense back and forth opening scene between Rooney Mara. Oh and yeah, Mark it's just Zuckerberg. like this kind of guitar riff, and then it kind of goes to the opening credits while Mark is like kind of jogging back to his dorm. Oh yeah. And that's when you kind of get these first uh sounds of like what would be like kind of the the main the score. Like the hum, electric yeah. hum and then the like piano keys over top. And I was kind of struck by how on the surface this score like doesn't match up with what you're seeing on screen at all. It has like this because obviously, yeah. if if you kind of consider like Fincher's like latest movies as like their own kind of trilogy in terms of style, uh, Social Network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Gone Girl. Oh, right. Uh, he, you, you know, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the score for all of them. They kind of have a very similar visual feel. Yeah. Even if his cinematography the is very is not. distinct, for sure. What I'm saying is like Reznor and Ross's score seems to fit a lot more with the girl with the dragon tattoo and gone girl and the subject matter of the social network seems odd for this just foreboding dread as if something truly horrible is about to happen (laughs) not just you know a guy's gonna fuck his friend out of some money right which is a lot of money but it's not like this you know obviously in like well, the girl with the states. dragon tattoo. We're talking about intense rape scenes and murder, and then in <laughs> Gone Girl, like the score, she's slitting Neil Patrick Harris' dark. throat, and blood is going oh, everywhere. Yeah. Like those are like truly horrifying, horrible visual things. Whereas Social Network is kind of this, you know, borderline courtroom drama, even though it's never actually in the courtroom. Right. I was kind of wondering, you know, what is the deal with this soundtrack? And I was kind of theorizing that it's quite possible that like um fincher and then by extension uh trent reznor and atticus ross were thinking like there is this foreboding the kind of the 
undercurrent of the film is like this idea of like society's relationship with technology and like the industrialization because that i think the industrialization of modern society is something that nine inch nails probably has you know based on worked out through their songs plenty of times but like what i'm thinking is like they don't necessarily see facebook or this obsession with technology and social media and stuff as like a positive that this is kind of this looming foreboding thing that was created way back in 2003 and this is kind of a story about the behind the scenes and like the kind of drama bullshit between the people involved but underneath all of that it's like there's still kind of this unseen menace approaching right i mean it's kind of an absurd obscene idea that this stupid idea for a social media thing of people putting their pictures and interests on line is somehow worth 25 billion dollars like it's just it's kind of this cold reality of like what the world is actually like it's (laughs) just like it's always that way though i mean not to this level but it's like i mean how big of a business was beanie babies (laughs) (laughs) you're just like what the hell you're okay yeah but i mean i'm not saying it's on the level of facebook i'm just saying it was something that yeah, but Beanie Babies, as dumb as it is, is that an actual thing. Whether or not they actually have any value is irrelevant. I mean, it's a tangible thing in your hands. We're talking about the stark coldness of nothingness, the technology, the empty, vast wasteland right. of the internet, and there's just this like lack of humanity at the core of like Sean Parker and then also at the core of what Zuckerberg may or may not be aspiring to be right and I mean the thing about Sean Parker is you know at the end when he's going on this manic rant about how excited he is about that like yeah we lived uh, whatever on farms we lived in cities and now we'll live on the internet and that's like it's almost like he's describing Instagram right yeah right preceding that I don't even know yeah I mean but Facebook is Instagram too Facebook encapsulates everything Facebook, like Twitter and Instagram don't really need to exist because it can all just be on Facebook. Yeah, and anytime like anybody else comes up with an idea that seems like a little bit different than Facebook, then Facebook kind of just incorporates that I- a version of that idea into what they're doing. With the Beanie Babies thing, though, I'm just saying how depressing it is that people can get so fucking galvanized into like a group and like follow a product. I mean, whether it's something tangible or whether it's just this idea of something being a group on the internet I, it's i don't know well it's the truly bummer. frightening thing though is that the beanie babies craze lasted what like two years well yeah that's true and now this is we're like going a, on well over a decade of facebook and it's still as you know popular as ever and it's all yeah over the social world. media has certainly changed things and they made a joke it's kind of a throwaway part and it's almost like a joke but like uh, you know when they're breaking for the day or they're done for the day and Mark is just kind of sitting on a laptop and he's talking to Rashida Jones and he's like, I'm just checking in on Bosnia, which I guess is like a country that they're expanding into at the time. And she's just like, well, they don't have roads, but they have Facebook or whatever. Right. (laughs) It's just kind of this like, oh. But even, and also, you know, the big, you know, point with him in that scene is just sitting there, keep clicking refresh. He's a slave to his own product. (laughs) Well, yeah, I want to get to the ending and because that's, that's like its own personal favorite moment of mine (laughs) relatable so pretty cool dakota johnson cameo yeah i mean i 
before Fifty Shades of Grey, I didn't know who she was. I mean, oh, I knew who she was. I knew she was the chick from <laughs> One Upped. I, I knew she was from the Social Network. She was also in uh, Twenty One Jump Street in a oh, brief okay, little. Yeah, I never saw that. And I always but, thought like, oh yeah, that chick is like pretty cute. Like, I wonder who that is. I never really thought like much about it. I just recognized her face a but few times. But I just times. remember asking you who the girl in Fifty Shades of Grey was, and you were like, yeah, it's the girl from Social Network wearing like the Stanford underwear. <laughs> you can see like what's really important to me in a what film jumps out <laughs> yeah i mean god if she, if there would have even been like a flash of her butt or like a breast in that little sequence where she's like jumping in and out of the shower uh when sean parker's like first discovering facebook i mean that would have defined probably the movie for me i would have not really been able to remember anything else yeah <laughs> It's so sad. Um, (laughs) Ultimately, you know, they make it a point to have Rashida Jones describe the settlements that Mark is going to have to make with Eduardo and then the Winklevoss twins and Divya as speeding tickets because he's going to get these fines for going too fast and stepping on a few heads. But, like, it's just going to be a drop in the bucket it's not like he's going to lose control over this because ultimately it would be basically impossible to prove that anybody else rightfully owned Facebook. And, you know, the whole just pay it, make them shut up, and then move on. I do want, you know, not really knowing much about, like, what's... We we don't know what Eduardo Saverin's payout actually was. I'm assuming it was even more than the Winklevoss twins. You would think, yeah. But he got his name to be back on the masthead or whatever I will say that even that means. That part in the movie, it's kind of like the climax, I guess, when Eduardo finds out that he's been kind of screwed and pushed out of the company. I mean, when he goes, my name's on the masthead, and Sean Parker, Justin Timberlake's like, you might want to check again. It's like fucking brutal. <laughs> I mean, you're like, oh, man. That part is so effective, I thought, when I saw it in theaters, how they have the lawyer asks him every person who owned a percentage of the company what their shares were diminished and he's like they weren't they weren't they weren't and it's like what was your diminished to 0. 0.03 it's like <laughs> holy shit he was a 33% share owner before i'm guessing that it's kind of like this idea that over time Sean Parker kind of waged this campaign to convince mark that everything that Eduardo was doing was hurting the company. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like it was just one thing. Because I think they kind of make it like, oh, it was because he froze the accounts at that one point. In the movie, they paint it that way, yeah. But it seems like just even the idea that he disagreed so much with... just the idea that he's not around and that Mark's really doing everything. And then once Sean Parker got involved, he was like, well, I can just do what Eduardo does and I can do it better. Yeah. And I think... A lot of what works at the center of like horror movies, for example, is this idea of the fear of abandonment of your friends. Like, it's always kind of like an allegory in like teen slasher films that like your friends are growing apart and growing up and moving away mm-hmm. to different colleges, and it's the fear of you know moving out of childhood and stuff like that. And I definitely think that this idea that Mark basically had one friend and his one friend was getting 
recruited to be in a final club and Mark had just been broken up with by a girl he generally he probably did actually like and have feelings for yeah, I would think. despite How the fact that he acted like an ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because you know he continually seems, references yeah he continually seems mind. motivated by Erica at all times which even when uh one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when uh Justin Timberlake tells the whole parable about Victoria's Secret <laughs> yeah. to explain that his date is a Victoria's Secret model. I love that <laughs> whole little monologue, but you, after at the end of that scene, basically his point is kind of like, this is our time, this is your business, like, and this is what we can have. We can go on these dates with Victoria's Secret models. And like at the end of it, Mark's kind of just like, you ever still think about that girl from high school that originally... And he's just like, no. What? <laughs> he's like, what girl? Yeah. And then he's like, the girl with the boyfriend. He's like, no, who cares? <laughs> Look at this, yeah. But like, yeah, so I think, you know, the reason that I brought up the fear of abandonment and things like that is because when Eduardo seemingly is moving on without him and then Mark miraculously pulls out this idea that is growing so rapidly and Mark kind of sees this as this moment for the two of them and Eduardo right. is kind of like, hey, I got to do my own thing. I'm going to do this the way that I want to do it, which is like, I'm giving you this money, but I plan on making money back. And he's, you know, maybe you could you could say, well, Eduardo didn't have the vision. He didn't understand that yeah. this was going to be worth much more than these stupid ads that he was going to get. Right. But I, like, Mark, I think, saw him his refusal to come out to California. His like refusal to get on board with a lot of the ideas that it's Mark almost had. like he's just passively supporting it so it's like it's kind of the continuation of this abandonment that he first felt you know when eduardo was gonna get into a final club without him and all this other stuff i and mean it takes a lot of resentment to not even warn your friend who's flying out <laughs> that he's gonna be signing a document that says i've basically been kicked out of the company yeah you would have thought that like it was actually kind of a weird situation because you would have almost thought that they would have planned that somehow or like... I can't imagine that's the way it really happened. Mark wouldn't actually have been Yeah, they, they would have had that off-site, but then we wouldn't have gotten the, sorry, my Prada was at the dry cleaners. <laughs> yeah, the part where he like pretends like he's going to hit Sean Parker and he like flinches. almost falls yeah. down, he <laughs> flinches so hard. It's pretty great. Yeah, um, I mean, I do. I love Justin Timberlake's performance as Sean Parker in this movie. He is the most hateable, hateable character, and he is a douche, but he's so great. And, like, just, yeah, because it, it's very much more of that idea of, like, nerds making it big, and he's just, like, completely off the rails. But whenever they get arrested at the end, and it's, like, you know, he's wearing his cool, like, uh, blazer and everything, and the cops ask him if he has anything else, and he just pulls out his EpiPen and asthma inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was also the part where uh, the I think like my one of one of my favorite parts, almost completely unrelated because it involves just the Winklevoss twins, is when they go see the dean to complain. Oh yeah, about uh, Mark stealing their idea, and they they want this guy. Uh, to make him stop <laughs> because oh, yeah. he, they you know he, they're like quoting things from the harvard like handbook about right. like rules about not stealing and stuff and he's like asking his secretary to punch him in the <laughs> face and just like is so annoyed by oh, these I two like, but again they're like this is this but idea is worth millions right. of dollars yeah. and he's like it's not <laughs> he acts yeah. like kind of Keep a pompous dreaming. ass yeah. 
And it's like, yeah, it's not. It's actually worth billions of dollars. Um, we'll kind of get to the end of the film here. Uh, it basically ends around the time, like the narration kind of ends uh, where they're getting around a million users. It's probably not all that far into this whole thing. I'm guessing this is only like a year plus because I think yeah, I the opening to scene time. with Erica Albright is supposed to be like October of 2003. Right. And I know they reference inviting Eduardo out to California at the end of November. So okay. I'm guessing that's November 2004. I'm guessing this is yeah. only like a year later. Yeah, okay, yeah. So they've got a million users. They're going to have this big celebration. Eduardo comes out and gets screwed out of the money. But ultimately, you know, even Sean Parker getting arrested with some girls that aren't 21 and all this stuff, it's it's it's, it's so minor, right, really. That, yeah, that just kind of closes off the Sean Parker... Yeah, it, it's kind of just like, oh well. In case you weren't sure, he's definitely a douche. But like, yeah, and he's not. He's yeah, because that Mark tells him, you know, go home. Like you're like, he still owns this percent in the company, but he's not involved anymore. Yeah, that's like, the impression that I got. They from give it. you that resolution to the character. He kind of like realizes, like, yeah, I don't know, I, sh- I probably shouldn't keep him involved yeah, anymore. Yeah, he's kind of a he's scumbag. Gonna, he's gonna like lead to this. You know, some problems. Plus, he's going to hook up with all the cute intern chicks. <laughs> um, I feel like there was a little, you know, passive-aggressive in getting rid of him there. Yeah, probably. He's rolling the eyes a little bit like, yeah, that new Ashley girl. Oh, are you seeing her? Well, kind of. He's like, no. Well, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then, you know, he f- pretty much realizes he's going to have to settle these lawsuits unfortunately for him but in the present day at the end of it everything they kind of end the film on kind of this comical note which i felt was just like so perfect and like summarizes like his character and his actual like motivation for everything oh right it kind of it kind of puts into clarity like everything to do with this version of Mark Zuckerberg, whether it's like what he's really like or not, which I, I kind of doubt. Yeah, but like, I don't think so. He uses the computer in the um, law firm's office or wherever they're at, and he just like sends a friend request to Erica Albright, Rooney Mara, and he just I'm glad keeps refreshing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to see if she's accepted like every right. couple of seconds. And that's how the film ends, yeah. and it's perfect. <laughs> Because ultimately, I think on the surface, you can look at this film and be like, they're painting uh, Zuckerberg to be like this terrible person, and the, and their motivations for doing so may not be on the up and up because they want to. Comes across as a smarmy ass in these like depositions. Yeah, but like I think the subtlety here is that we're supposed to understand that he's putting on a character as a defense mechanism, and by having, even if it's not true. By having him have done all of this stuff just because he was dumped by this girl and that he actually liked and, you know, she this has really motivated him, it, it ultimately makes him more relatable and sympathetic to people. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a it's a it's kind of an, a perfect way to um dramatize some real life events that on the surface may not have actually been all that interesting oh yeah (laughs) like it took like a great screenwriter like aaron sorkin and a great director like david fincher to kind of turn this into a piece of art like of pop culture relevance when it was probably a lot of boring yeah yeah 
writing code on a computer technology legal jargon bullshit well it's also what i like about that part at the end too it's just like all this shit that's happened and like these two lawsuits are ending and it's just like yeah i gotta pay money but the rest of my life is gonna be pretty great uh yet instead of just like I don't know, out there vacationing or partying or whatever. He's sitting at a computer clicking refresh on Facebook, (laughs) you know? Yeah, because I think, and they kind of did a decent job of establishing this earlier in the film. Like him becoming a billionaire or whatever didn't really seem to motivate him at all. Because he, you know, when he first meets with uh, the Winklevoss twins and Divya, they bring up like a program he created in high school that Microsoft wanted to buy, and he ultimately just didn't sell it to him. And yeah, he put it, it up for, for free. free. So it was never like he. he that's kind of why he admired Sean Parker so much. Was like Sean Parker ultimately left the Napster thing broke because he had to declare bankruptcy and there was no money there because they, they basically created this thing that anyone could download for free and then the music then was free too. There was no money. Yeah. So it was like, it's a poor business practice. It wasn't like he was impressed by Sean Parker because Sean Parker had become some sort of self-made millionaire. It was, it was that he created something that fucked everything up and was giving everyone the finger. Right. It was like this rebellious, like, you know, anarchy vision that Mark had in his head of like, I've got this anger inside and I'm going to like, give everyone the finger who ever doubted me or ever rejected me or whatever. Now, I have a question. Uh, and this is the, when you talk about stuff that, you know, we don't know the truth about and certain things are just put into the movie to move the story along or the part that always jumps out to me as so insane is that when they're in California at this house and then like Sean Parker just knocks on the door with that girl and they're like, Oh, we, she lives across the street. This girl that Sean Parker knows just happens to live across the street from them. And then it's like, oh, are they implying that he somehow, like, he knew Mark was moving and that he was able to kind of figure out a way? Yeah, I was thinking about this last night. I think what you just said is probably correct, um, that Sean, you know, ingratiated himself to some girl that lived there because he knew that mark lived there and he was going to make it seem like i mean the level of sociopathic tendencies it also popped into my head a little bit at first the first moment when they're at the door because he kind of says because i kind of thought he said for a second i live across the street or something like that right and i was like well wait a minute did mark do this on purpose to set this meeting up between the two of them so i wasn't sure but i think it's probably the way yeah. that you said it, I thought because I, I do think he says that she lives across the street, and they were he was helping her move. Yeah, yeah. But at first, I think he says something else, and then he the story like kind of is changing. Yeah. But but I mean, it is it's like, I mean, if you're Mark, but I guess like Mark wanted Sean around, but it's just like I don't know. That would strike me as so insane. There's like, like literally a Final Destination type situation happening, like right outside the door. Is like, someone gonna die? Like he, he, like don't you hear those that noise that keeps like hitting against the door? That's like a rock flying from that lawnmower. Oh, did you ever see that <laughs> like part where like the window and like, like goes right your, your head? <laughs> did you ever see that? The, the, no, I think that's like the third or fourth one. Or something. Uh, I, I mean, know. I probably saw it, but is that which one is Mary Elizabeth Winstead in? The third one. Okay, yeah. There's one there's one where like 
a lawnmower or something like that. Uh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah, because I mean, it's just insane that it's being launched all the way over here, and you can hear them hitting against the door. I mean, it would suck for you to ha- uh, have your head impaled by a rock from a lawnmower, but I think it would suck even more for me to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It'd be over quick for me, yeah. at least. All right, so do we have any final thoughts on the social network? No, I think that's it. I mean, I will say, I mean, it was, what year did it come out? 2010? Yeah. I think it was definitely my favorite movie that year. Um, I had a couple ahead of it, but it's definitely a defining movie of our times. Because uh, (laughs) I do remember seeing the first trailer for it and having such a, I had no idea it was coming out, no idea who directed it or anything, but like the first like trailer for it was just like, you know that choir singing creep or whatever by radiohead which <laughs> oh really, yeah i forgot about which that. was really cool but like it was just kind of like pictures from facebook like were coming up and then the last one is like jesse eisenberg is like but like i remember being like what is i was like oh my god i can't believe they're making a facebook movie this is horrendous <laughs> this is like an emoji movie and then I oh like, wait there is oh, one though yeah. <laughs> and then like of course like as it got closer i was like oh wait this looks incredible and it, i loved it yeah yeah, I mean, I think it's unfortunate that uh, the Academy once again, you know, failed to Was recognize this King's Speech. Yeah. yeah, King's Speech ended up winning so much, and yet nobody gives a shit about that movie now. Uh, when it was a year when Inception and Black Swan and oh, it was a great year. Yeah, uh, Social Network and The Fighter and all these things came out, and it was just like, all right, well. You yeah. fucked it up again. Um, but yeah, I do remember we had a conversation after this movie about just the people who were in it. Because over the next year or two, in the like what they were being cast in, because it was like Andrew Garfield was being cast as Spider-Man. Rooney Mara was cast as the girl with the dragon tattoo. Army Hammer is the Lone Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> or he was... Uh, Army Hammer was definitely like somebody everyone was buying stock in in 2010, and it yeah. really... But I remember you saying, you're like, this might be one of those movies that we look back in a few years and be like, I can't believe all these people were in this movie together. And it does kind of have that. Yeah, I don't, not, feel, I don't feel that way. Yeah, it's no. not shocking at all <laughs> <laughs> that these people were on a movie. We've got to give it another 10 years. <laughs> so I, I, I want to introduce a new segment to the show <laughs> now. It's called Zach Recommends a Movie. Oh. It's, it's where I recommend a movie that we're probably not going to ever cover on the show. And oh, this okay. week's is a little uh, film that I got the uh, Blu-ray for recently. It's called My Chauffeur. <laughs> a lot of buzz about the new segment. <laughs> uh, so uh, it stars, I forget her name, Deborah Foreman, who was best known as being the Valley Girl in Valley Girl, the lead role. Um, and she liked my tweet about liking My Chauffeur, <laughs> so that's why. Well, I, that puts her over with you then. It's just kind of like this goofy, weird comedy from like 1986. Like I don't know, I didn't know anything about it. I just kind of enjoyed it. She's very, she's got a very like fun personality in it, and like an infectious smile. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> this is probably the only time we're going to do this segment. segment. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Cut this out. Uh, all right. Uh, so get ready. It's going to be a big week uh, for the greatest moments in history forever. Yep, a lot of episodes coming, probably, maybe. A lot of big stuff, <laughs> unknown, so... but... Yeah, so get ready for a lot of downloads. <laughs> if you're subscribed to the show, which... I don't know if... We'll have to take a look at the numbers and see what the subscriptions are at. <laughs> Not great. But, um... Yeah, you can follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. I do occasionally tweet from it, you know, to yeah. try to get likes from semi-obscure 80s actresses uh yeah. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so follow the show on Twitter. Uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe. Tell your friends that uh, the greatest moments in this year forever is pushing on, and we will hopefully get to 100 episodes one day. <laughs> That's the new that goal. That's a completely random announcement. That I think it's kind of being weird. I don't know. All right, we'll end it here. Uh, I would say keep an eye on our feed because uh, might be a big week. Peace. Yo, here's a way not to talk to chicks. Check out this total nerd. 
Oh, what's up? I'm a total nerd. Ew, yeah, you're gross. Oh, I want to kill myself right now. I'm so nervous. Uh, oh, well, you should be because you're such a fag. Oh, no, look at the sky and shit. Are you scared of the sky? What's going to happen with World War III? Uh, I don't know. You're such a dork. Yo, this is how a guy who's super legit is balls talks to chicks. Oh, shit. Yo, it's Chaz. Oh, you smell like my asshole. Oh, shut up.